This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. No credit card required. Enter offer code SUPERTRAIN at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. <clears throat> Hello? Hi, John. Hi. <clears throat> Hi, Merlin. <clears throat> How's it going? Good. I just feel like, you know, <clears throat> that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a rainy morning in Seattle. The, the fall, the winter fall has finally arrived. Winter fall. <sighs> that was my favorite James Bond movie. Mm. Actually, no, that was the shittiest of them. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll meet again at winter fall. Banana. Yeah, so uh, it's good. Uh, yeah, things are great. I mean, it's a busy morning, but things are great. Yeah, yeah. You, you uh, you're running around a lot. Yeah, you know, I got a lot of a lot of things to do. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Busy. A, lot, a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have yous. You know, I'm a busy guy. Yeah, you are a busy guy. You know, I got my keys right here. You want to hear them? Jeez, Louise, that's a lot of keys. <laughs> See what I'm saying? I'm not a one key guy anymore. Oh yeah, really? Yeah, no, I got all these keys. Look at this. How, how many of those do you use in a given week? I use them all. Use every one of them. Look at them. There they you are. You got your boat. You got your other boat. <laughs> That's right. I got my, uh, this one's to the propane. This one's to the lock on the uh, on the tool shed. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. The things how, you own start to own you, man. Oh, that's right. That is right. <laughs> you know, the, what these are? Analog eels. Oh, God. Tell me about it. Yes. How about yourself? How are you? You seem relaxed. Oh, I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, yeah, I, I I need to improve my quality of sleep, yeah. but that's you know that's an ongoing thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever have good sleep again. Really? Nah, you know what? It's not. It's not anything to talk about. It's just that uh, I I think you know what it is. I I heard a thing on uh, an old episode of This American Life uh, today about people who thought their house was haunted, but it was actually carbon monoxide poisoning. Oh, no. And now I spent the whole morning thinking about – because according to this this expert person they talked to, many of the things that people talk about when they talk about creepy, scary, haunting things are attributable to low-level carbon monoxide poisoning. And I've had this suspicion. As you know, I'm not a lunatic. No, no. But but I am a theorist, and I, I have my reckons, and I've been wondering for a while if, if there are is some part of my house that might be harming me. Hmm. I don't think it's a ghost, but it's old, and it has not been extremely well maintained. And carbon monoxide is right in my wheelhouse. Yeah, no, that that's true. I mean, you are first of all, let's just say a ceramicist, mm-hmm. and um, an anthropologist. Sure, sure. I'm a, a, I'm a lover, a father, mm-hmm. a thinker, and a person. That's right. <laughs> uh, and also not a person who is insensitive to uh, environmental climactic change and also haunting and also monoxide. I'm trying to keep my, uh, keep my eyes open, keep my ears open, and keep my mind open, if I may say. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to shut all the doors to my mind. Here's the thing that carbon monoxide do- does. It starts shutting doors in your mind. Oh, isn't that a terrible thing? It's like yeah. the uh, toxoplasmosis. The call's coming from inside uh, the cat. Oh, my God. You know, yeah. uh, I, uh, we recently had a couple of cat deaths in our extended family. I'm sorry. Well, don't apologize to me because I thought, though, that they were both 
uh, fairly um, unredeemable cats, and one of them in particular. People don't like to talk about this, John, but it's true. There, some cats are assholes. <laughs> one of them. So one of them was just a troubled cat, uh, and I feel like she's gone to a better place. One of them was a a, a devil cat, and um, I've made so these cats used to live fairly close to me. Not they were not my cats, but they were close enough. Close enough that we. That we had to come to an arrangement. Mm-hmm. And then it was the toxoplasmosis. When my baby was, a, was a, she had yet to arrive on the scene, but she was in transit. You get a lot of warnings about this these mm-hmm. days. And I was like, listen, whether toxoplasmosis is real or not, this is the excuse I need to send these cats to go live on a farm. Oh, nice. And there was no arguing about it because I had a piece of paper that had a long word on it. Mm-hmm. It was like, I don't even, what, the real reason I want these cats to go is that they are spiritually bankrupt. Mm. <laughs> you don't but, need that. <laughs> but, but that is harder to prove. Yeah, it doesn't have the same kind of pithy name. It doesn't have a Greek name. Yeah, that's right. Or, or, or you know, potential harm to your innocent baby. Who, who can say anything against that? And mind control cat shit fog. And the cats, the thing is, as much as cats can be deliberate assholes, I don't think that they know no. that they're making you crazy. I think that's, that's how it works. It's a, it's a symbiosis. It's a host organism scenario. Yeah, but, you know, you open too many doors and a lot of wind comes in. So, you know, you start thinking about these things and you start mm-hmm. thinking about the toxoplasmosis or you start thinking about we do not currently have a carbon monoxide dingus in our house. You know, those are easy to find and easy to buy. Yeah. Well, we tested our, our, our tub for lead one time, and we're not doing that again. <laughs> it was like, you know, continued on next Walgreens test strip. It's so bad. Honey, oh, please God. don't drink the bathwater. There's so many reasons not to drink the bathwater. Oh, no. Walgreens, give us this strip. I don't know. You know, I, um, I, you know, I've been turning, there's a thought technology I've been turning over in my head that's not particularly novel, but... Uh, I don't know. I've been thinking about how whenever something shocking comes along or something, something that shocks the sensibility, shocks our credulity, or it seems it's something that just seems so wrong and so bananas, mm-hmm. but in time starts seeming less bananas. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just makes me think that I, I want to start being less shocked mm. by things that happen in the world. Not like atrocities or something, but like, you know, I'm just realizing that, you know, it, you think of like a, like a Duchamp or a, uh, you know, a rite of spring or something like that. There are these things that come along that, you know, cause riots and, and medium posts. <laughs> and, you know, I guess I'm just starting to finally, at, at, at my advancing age, realize that everything new is shocking. <laughs> and, like, you should give it some time before you just throw it out. Sure. Jane's addiction was shocking. They, they, they told us all along. It's right there, right on the tin. Nothing is shocking to Literally. them. That's true. So uh, I've just been feel, thinking do you, about Do you that. feel like the U.S. government is complicit in the South American drug trade? Um, I don't know enough to say. Whenever it comes to anything conspiratorial, I mostly just write it off with a kind of, um, it, you know, it sure could happen. It wouldn't mm-hmm. surprise me. It seems like... If you look back at the history, and I don't want to get into the whole 80s drug thing, but like you think no. about, you think about like, oh, you know, there's all these different theories and reckons about what caused what in this, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s because CIA, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 
the the the, the part that that mitigates uh, against dismissing all crazy theories is that so much dumb shit has happened where like there were meetings and plans and calendar events and HR decisions to do some really crazy shit that makes you go like, you know what? Uh, you mm-hmm. never know. <laughs> right? I mean, there's been a lot of dumb stuff. Oh, there's been a lot of dumb stuff. <laughs> I'm not putting that too strongly, am I? No, no, no. I think that that's a... That's I, just, the government, that's, I don't know. The government, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I want to, I seriously want an MP3 of that. <laughs> the government, ah, the government, ah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. just want that to be my I'm, ringtone. I'm more worried about the lone gunman. You know what I mean? That's, yeah, for sure. Because you don't even have to have a meeting to be crazy on your own. Well, and all those kids out there now with carbon monoxide guns i gotta i gotta i gotta get one of those things i should probably have the place i have to have a plumber come out this week i should probably also have a carbon monologist that's sure somebody, that's somebody who comes out and does a does a uh does a monologue about carbon at your house <laughs> well and you should have a, a diviner come out and see if you uh you know oh to find out if we have water in the house yeah, and don't know it if there's water we found water my wife was the diviner yesterday she she texted me and said we got that drip under the sink again so now we you gotta know, we gotta call the guy I need one of those, except for finding dead animals in my walls. Oh, are you still at that? I so I I I went around the house, and by I went around the house, I mean largely my mom went around the house, and she, I mean she, this lady loves a project, right? And she's when I was running for office, and I was very very busy, and I was struggling with the fact that I was routinely now <clears throat> trapping possums in my crawl space. And then realizing that trapping possums wasn't enough. You know, they they foreclosed on a house a couple of doors down from my house and some house flippers came in and rehabilitated it. And, and that caused the, the great the great uh, rat diaspora. Yeah, that's right. And so then I was trapping rats, right? I'm I'm trapping possums, I'm trapping rats. It's just a fucking it's not a good scene because it's also July and it's 110 degrees and if you trap a rat in your attic when it's 110 degrees the rat the decomposition process happens a lot faster and the the company that i hired to trap the rats had this policy of like well if it's a live possum in the trap we'll try and get out there this afternoon oh and i'm like really yeah we're busy but if it's a dead rat well, that's not going anywhere. We'll come by on Saturday. <clears throat> and I'm like, it's Sunday. You're going to let the dead rats sit in my attic for a week? Yeah. No. And they're like, well, you know, that's if you read the contract. <clears throat> so it was a bad, that was a bad relationship. But then my mom, who loves a project, put on her overalls, which are covered with different colors of blue paint and are worn out at the knees, her favorite overalls, coveralls. And she came out and she started uh, filling every hole the size of a dime in the outside of the house. And she just was having the time of her life rat-proofing this house. Wow. But there, and so all the rats, we captured them all, we got all the possums, we got everybody out of the fucking house. And then I walked in one day and there was the smell of a dead animal somewhere. Uh. And I wandered around the house and I just trying to find it, trying to find it, trying to find it, couldn't find it, couldn't find it. Finally, upstairs in 
the uh, you know, one of the rooms, I realized that some. I, my suspicion is that the rat climbed up in the wall and got to right next to the heating vent. But when I took the vent face off, I couldn't. It was like on the other side of the sheet metal. It wasn't in the HVAC. It was like in the wall outside of the HVAC. And it just died up there. And so I was like, oh, you miserable bastards. I would eradicate your entire kind. I would stand there and kill you in front of each other so that you would know that you'd, you've transgressed against a monster. Mm-hmm. But so I sealed up that heating vent, taped it completely off, and waited for the smell to go away. And was just like, that's just, I guess, when you own a house. I've been in this house seven years, and nothing has died in the walls yet. But now we're at war with these rats, and I thought I had trapped them all, but somebody got in, and then we sealed it anyway. So <clears throat> no rats, no critters. And then two weeks ago, I hear something crawling around. And I'm like, you sons of bitches. And so then I go all the way around the house with a high, you know, like a 10,000 watt flashlight. And I find a hole that nobody could, you know, that, that we didn't look for because the stupid ass company that was trapping possums for me told me that there were no holes in this particular location. And then I found a hole in that location. And I was like, you guy with you guy with your your possum trapping coveralls, you didn't actually get up on the ladder like you said you did. So <clears throat> to make a long story short, when I was gone, when I was down in San Francisco, I started getting reports from uh, the various people who look after my property. That there was a strange smell in the house. And I was like, really? Did I forget to take the recycling out? And the report came back. I don't think it's the recycling. And so when I got home, sure enough, there was a very, it's a, it's a you know, you know what the smell is. It's, it's a very particular smell. And so I spent the entire week with my divining rod trying to find the location of this beast and could not. I, short of tearing the drywall apart, I could not find where this critter had decided to breathe his last breath. And so all I could do was just sit in this house that sort of vaguely smelled like a dead something. And I'm just like, why? Why? Why this? Yeah. I mean, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, but you got to live there. So yeah, it's it's you know it's funny houses are a funny thing because you know you feel like you've closed the windows you shut the door maybe you've even kind of weatherproofed the door but you're not even close <laughs> no. I mean a, a house as old as ours like we have a almost ninety year old house and you know I think it 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 gets like an old man it gets a little loose and flabby mm-hmm. and uh, and you know I it was it was probably never like the fanciest place to begin with but like. For me, this started in Florida. And and when you first hear there's a factoid that you can't unhear in life, which is that there are certain kinds of, I'm going to call them varmints. I I hope that's not. No, no, I think varmints is not not very progressive. But there are certain kinds of varmints where if their head can get through it, their body can get through it. Mm -hmm. I believe this is true of roaches. 
and I'm pretty sure it's true of rats, and I know it's true of squid. You ever seen any of those squid videos? Oh, yeah, the squids will get right in your house. You don't want a squid up there. Well, and mice and uh, ants. But they got the, 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 you know, the, the, the skeleton and the musculature of these varmints, you know, will collapse through a hole like the size of a freaking dime. Yeah, they got detachable penis. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah. And, and, uh, and so, and, you know, of course, in Florida, it's, it's pointless. I mean, they're, they're coming home in the grocery bags. They're coming through the walls, you know, coming through the MTV. You're, getting, you're just getting all kinds of roaches mm-hmm. and stuff in the house. But we had, a, we had a, a, our first mouse incursion was meh, probably around the time, not long before, before my kid came on the scene, which made it extra kind of crazy. You don't want a kid and a mouse in the same house. Mm-hmm. Well, you know. If you I got a know. mouse, if you got a mouse, you got a mouse. If you got it, a kid, you got a kid. You know what it is? It's, and again, my favorite word, vulnerability. It makes you feel vulnerable when you know that there are, that there are mammals in particular that can just kind of wander in and out of the house and decide if it's a place that they want to stay. Yeah. Who knows what the mouse is thinking? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> is the mouse watching you masturbate? Yeah. I, I, that's, not, that's not a thing I want to consider. Might be a turn on for the mouse. See? It's a mammal, right? Mm-hmm. They could yeah. be communicating telepathically with each other. They could be alien life forms from a different planet masquerading as mice. Yeah, like, you know, if a crab wandered into your house, <laughs> you, you would think, well, that's kind of weird. You know, like, how did that happen? And I have to say, I, you know, uh, I have no ill will against the crab. I think a crab that came into your house probably just wandered in. It maybe was checking things out. It was in the neighborhood. <laughs> but, you know, I, when see, you think- I see that happen all the time. And I, and I you know, I shoo them out. Shoo. Shoo crab. Shoo. <laughs> Yeah, but but you know the thing is with when the uh, so with, in the rainy season here you get the sugar ants, yeah. and then at any time you could just get mice or rats. We're fortunate, knock on everything, literally everything that we have haven't had rats. But you know a mouse is looking for a place to uh, to camp out and, and maybe bring family. And I think when you see one, that's that's often an emissary. Mm-hmm. That's a that's an explorer, a scout, sure, a scout somebody mouse. or somebody from the mouse state department. They're coming in there, you know, I, I don't know exactly how it works. I have a pretty good idea how it works with ants. You know, I, I've read part of a, an E.O. Wilson book. But, you know, cause, cause with the ants, it's real simple, you know, which is when it rains, they don't have a place to live anymore. Mm. And, you know, in San Francisco, it doesn't rain at all until it rains. And then when it rains, it rains really hard. And so basically, usually around, well, you know, we don't really get rain in California anymore. But definitely December and January, it's full on, like, sugar ant time. Mm. And they will come in. Now, there's just not a whole lot you can do about that. You can you can hire companies to like stake the place out and spray stuff, but like that's not going to go away. You got to just kind of make your peace with the uh, with the ants, right? But I will not abide uh, a rodent. And how? Uh, what is the San Francisco spider story? Nothing like Seattle. We get we get some awesome like single spiders. I think probably bachelor spiders come and hang out usually in the bathroom. I love them. My yeah. family doesn't love them. I, I am always the one who is charged with the catch and release program for spiders. That's I neat. love a spider. I feel like a spider might be good luck. And I don't even believe in good luck. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of spiders. But, you know, as you know, in Seattle, there are multiple kinds of spiders. I mean, it's pretty bad, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's really like legitimately like too many spiders. So it's too many spiders. And the garden spiders, uh, you watch the garden spiders get fatter and fatter and fatter throughout the fall. So you'll see a spider and you're like, oh, there's a look at that guy. And then the next day it's visibly bigger. And you're like, huh, that's that spider's getting kind of big. And then he's got some rings and a walking stick. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like a few days later and you're like, that is a freaking fat ass spider. That spider's body is big as a walnut now. And I am not any longer like 
he let the spider be like let the and it's they're mostly ladies. Let is that lady, right? Do you, you, can you tell from the from the the way they're dressed, or or just yeah, just in sort of their attitude. You know, they're just, they're just really they're easy just, to interrupt. Ah, they're sassy. Mm. Um, but uh, what I don't want is to be walking through my own garden and take one of these in the face. Yes, and so I walk for three months out of the year. I walk through my yard with one hand up in front of my in front of my body. Right. And no, no, no surprise spiders for you. Yeah, and the thing is, if you make the mistake of putting your hand up where the tips of your fingers are at eye level, you will catch a spider web in your forehead. I don't like that. And so you got to keep your hand up above your head and out far enough that you can hit a web and like karate chop it. So now, I now my daughter walks through the yard with her hand up. She doesn't know why. <laughs> She's just imitating daddy, and we're walking through the yard with our shark fins out and chopping down spider webs. And even with that, even with that technique, I catch three spider webs in the face pretty much every day. Oh. And then you got the house spiders. And there are the fast moving, the super fast moving ceiling spiders. And then there are the uh, innumerable kinds of spiders, let's say, and um, I, I am in a family of ladies, right? I'm the only guy in my family. My mom doesn't. I mean, uh, literally, a, a lobster could be on my mom's ceiling, and she wouldn't flinch. But, but there are other characters in my clan who do not want a spider around. Uh, well, and I, I, in fairness, I don't, you know, I, I just want to say that, like, I think of the, uh, I guess we'll use the word phobias, uh, of the phobias, the, the spider one is, there are a lot of people who are utterly unhinged by the idea that there even might be a spider in the room. Well, and particularly the fast-moving spiders. Like, a, again, a surprise spider. A surprise spider where it's like, that spider's not moving very fast. That spider's just hanging out. And then the spider moves fast. And you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. No, 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 no. So I understand. But I'm very – I'm pro-spider and I'm kind to spiders. But my it seems like at a certain point in the year, my number one job – above all else, is moving house spiders outside. And I have no way of knowing whether a house spider can survive outside or whether the house spider turns around and immediately walks back into my house through one of its many, many holes. Right, right, right. Do you think it has that sense of, see, it's something we do a lot. Now I'm thinking about all the varieties of things that, that, we, that we have around here. Like if we're walking down, I'll pick up my kid up at school, we're walking around the, the corner of the school, there will frequently be a little tiny, uh, super fuzzy, uh, yellow, I, I want to call them caterpillars. Like I like maybe, them so far. Maybe half an inch uh, long, very, very tiny, and they'll be working their way across the sidewalk. And I'm, I'm not sure how to handle this because my, my, my daughter uh, will immediately go, oh, it's, it, we got to get it out of the road. we got to get it out of the sidewalk. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we move it. We pick, This happened last week. She picks, she picks up a caterpillar because she's awesome, mm-hmm. and she goes and puts it back in what we guess is where it wanted to originally have been. Mm-hmm. And then we're walking along, and we see another one who had made further progress. And she says, oh, that's its friend. It wants to be with its friend. Oh, I want to be with she friend. goes back, picks up the, the, the Caterpillar uh, Sub 1, and, and then puts it over so it can be with its friend. Mm-hmm. Now, now, part of me, I, I had an environmental ethics class in, in, uh, in college. Uh, I've thought about this a lot. And I, and I sometimes wondered, like, should we, should we, A, 
pick it up and get it out of the way to somewhere we think it belongs. B, pick it up and put it with who we're calling its friend. Or yeah. C, leave it where it is because nature. Right. Right? How much, how much should we intervene? Now, I'm, I'm just here to tell you, like, I do not, like, I'll, I'll, I'll kill the shit out of a flying insect. I do not like a flying insect. Mm-hmm. I, I will go way out of my way. I will inconvenience myself. I will pause the television to get a spider out of the house, mm-hmm. you know, even though, A, I didn't mind it being there, and B, it'll probably come back in eventually. Uh, it probably. What's, yeah. your, what's, your, what's your general feeling on, on moving animals? Uh, flying insects in my house. I don't, you know, the other day there was a moth in the house, and I was sitting there in the company of, uh, of some friends, and uh, the moth was doing its like <whistles> sort of flight. Mm. And the moth went by me and I grabbed it by the wing out of the air. Oh, wow. Like Mr. Miyagi. Like, and that was a good party trick. But then I felt bad for the moth mm. and I let it go and it kept flying in, in contravention of what I thought would happen. I, I always heard that if they you seem touch, very delicate, like yeah. any injury at all, and it's going to lose the uh, the ability to fly. Yeah, but I but this guy kept on keeping on, and so I was like, "Shit, you earned the right to live." Um, <laughs> just by you know have your indomitable spirit. Yeah. Uh, but I lost one. Of, I lost my dad's Harris Tweed blazer to moths, <sighs> and I think they're different moths. The big moths don't eat the wool as no, I understand. No, no, I think the blazer eaters are, are a lot smaller. They make the, little little tiny holes. Yeah, they're the little ones. But they really went after this blazer, which I'd had my whole life and which my dad had had since the 50s and it was his signature coat. And he handed it down to me in threadbare but serviceable condition. And then in under my stewardship, this thing was attacked by moths and and tattered. It happened on your watch. Yeah, it did. It did. I had to bear the responsibility for it. And so <clears throat> moths... Uh, 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 like I, I broke no truck with mm-hmm. them. I am, I'm, a, but I don't know exactly how to kill them other than uh, carbon monoxide. And as you know, that that creates uh, the illusion of uh, a haunting. Mm. So I don't <laughs> want that. You don't want to haunt a moth. No, 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 no. But other, but other things, bees. I try to shoo them out. Wasps. I try to shoo them out. Flies. I kill with impunity. Uh, fruit flies definitely. Oh, I got I got a whole project literally right now happening in my kitchen. Yeah, uh, I got, uh, I got uh, a project. Have you got uh, Have you got some of the balsamic vinegar in a in a cup? I got a red wine trap working right now. Oh, that's nice. That's you take, you take a bowl. You take that bottle of wine from a few months ago. You never finished. Mm-hmm. You pour that in. What I do, I uh, over the top of the bowl, I put two layers of saran wrap. Oh, hello. Two layers. Then I take a uh, bamboo skewer. And I poke maybe 11 holes at irregular intervals so they, they don't nice. see the pattern, right? You know, they're, they're pattern matching. Uh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. You don't want to make it clear. It should, it should look like, you know, it's like a tiger trap, right? It should be like terrain. And then they're like, oh, hey, you know, uh, free, uh, free J. Laura Cabernet from a few months ago. Uh-huh, uh-huh. They get in those tiny little holes and then, and then they, they can't get out. And uh-huh. I just, you know what I do? I just put it right in the compost bin. Oh, this is just compost. Don't worry. Oh, really? Oh, so you put it in a disposable... It's double disguised. Wow. It's not disposable. I'll take it out eventually. I got the presence of mind. Oh, I see. I see. Oh, you put it right in the compost. Oh, it's literally... It's, it's in there right oh now. Oh, my God. You're not kidding around. Well, it's just compost. Come on in. Sure. Hey, it's uh-huh. just another little jar of wine. But here's the thing. Why do we have fruit flies? 
Well, uh, we take the compost out like pretty regularly. And then we got we got one of those. Uh, well, it doesn't matter. But we got one of those garbage cans where you, you pop it up, and it's got the two. Uh, it's got one of those fancy garbage cans where you open it with your foot. One side is garbage, the other side is recycling. We use the other side for compost. We try to take that out regularly, but you also got to wash out the actual can because that detritus will attract many of these uh, various varmints. Now, my concern is, hmm, why so many fruit flies? We don't even eat that much fruit, and uh, and we take out the compost pretty often. So now my concern is, is there something else rotting somewhere that I don't know about? You see where I'm yeah. going with this? Oh yes, I do. I do. Because it's you know the circle of life, Hakuna Matata. You don't get one kind of varmint. Varmints attract other varmints. See, varmints beget varmints. That's varmints in the Bible. Be- it is. I think that's in Ecclesiastes. Mm-hmm. Now you get something with the bees. I did not, I did not know this. I was admonished uh, uh, almost exactly two years ago. I uh, helped chaperone a field trip to the pump- pumpkin patch, and you know who loves pumpkin patches is uh, Yellow Jackets. Yeah. And our group of uh, five-year-olds were, were set upon by, by Yellow Jackets. Oh, One no. kid got the shit stinged out of him. And, yeah, yeah. And so I'm, I'm going to be the hero. I'm, I'm whacking and waving. So first of all, I learned, A, I'm hearing, you tell me if you, this comports with your, your information, your knowledge base. Number one, like don't, don't wave and whack at a Yellow Jacket. Because that just makes them mad and or attracts them. Now here, B, you ready for this? Don't smash a yellow jacket because guess, guess what happens? Oh, uh, the other yellow jackets. They're, they get mad and they're attracted. They smell a dead yellow jacket and yeah. apparently that makes them swarm on you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you've, you've heard my tour stories, right, about driving through the Midwest at certain times of the year. Um, certain times of the year when, you, when the big bugs are out. Oh, yeah, right, right, right. When your when your when your windshield is just is just covered with all of these, bugs. it's just it's just caked with it like a like the top of a German chocolate cake, mm. with just dead bugs of every size and shape. And then when you stop to get gas or to go in to get a uh, go in get to get into the hot case and get some JoJo's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you come back out and the front of your vehicle is just swarmed with yellow jackets Ugh. because they're there to eat the other bugs, the dead bugs. Nature's a dick. It's terrible, and so then you're trying to get back into your vehicle with like yellow jackets everywhere, and you can't keep them out, and so then you're driving across the country with like yellow jackets in the car, which is oof. that's not good for anybody. Being on tour is really not as glamorous as it sounds. <laughs> I've, I've been in your van. I know that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have been in the van. That's right. Get in the van. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it could be carbon monoxide. I should probably get it checked out. But then my feeling is, and like this just just tells you where I am in life. I go, okay, well, like now I start having the sense. Oh, it's probably carbon monoxide. I'm probably I'm probably haunted by elements, mm-hmm. right? Oh, so, haunted by elements. That's a thing I had never considered. So like now, uh, let's say I find out we got carbon monoxide. What am I going to do about it? Like, uh, how are we going to get the furnace vented better? Ooh. You know, so, and it's it's where I become irrational, where I, I start uh, compartmentalizing and thinking maybe if I don't if I don't uh, if I don't look for the mouse, there there, there won't be a mouse. It's, oh, it's like yeah. you know, Heisenberg uncertainty mice. Uh huh. Well, uh huh. Uh-huh. Schrodinger's right. uh, Schrodinger's fruit fly. The thing is, as soon as you look at the mouse, there's a fifty percent chance there will be a mouse there. <laughs> that's right. That's that's just science. That's precisely right. And and what happens is. Uh, because of spooky action at a distance, this mouse and other mice are all in the same orientation. Oh! So, yeah, so as soon as you look at this mouse, you have also predetermined the the posture of mice sometimes very far away. It's a kind of predestination. It's in, And it's impossible to know, hmm. which is the great thing about physics. So much of it is impossible to know. That's comforting to me in a lot of ways. I'm talking about mouse physics now. 
No, I understand. But I also feel like in the same way that you have, let's be honest, let's go back a little bit. You have established a certain kind of, of a, a, a detente. You know, uh, you know, a, uh, 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 you know, you've got a, a separate piece that you've made with various kinds of animals. You and the raccoons, you and the crows. You've worked some things out. You've looked at each other. I feel the same way. I feel like spiders are like anchovies. Let's work this out. And I, I don't mean the kind of swimming kind. I mean the kind you get in a can and put on your pizza. Sure, the salty Let's, ones. That's salty ones. Let's make a deal here. We're not going to surprise each other. Right? right, that's the thing. I think we should. I think we should have a way where we could say, almost like like a couple who uh, wants to get divorced but has to live together. You stay in this room. You mm-hmm. have that room. You have that room. You know what? You can have the bathroom all night long as long as you don't jump on me if I urinate in the middle of the night. That's a good policy. Not the anchovies, but the spiders. But sure. to me, it's a similar principle. If you order a Caesar salad, mm-hmm. you got to expect that you're going to get spiders on it. It's right there on the tin. It says Caesar. It's going to yeah. have anchovies in it. But if you order a pizza, you have no there's you, there's no reason that you should have to find an anchovy there or a spider or a spider. If a spider leapt out of your Caesar salad, you would you would want to have words. Spiders are the anchovies of house pets. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I feel like. My relationship with raccoons and crows is based primarily on, in the raccoon's case, the opposable thumb and the fact that it looks at me knowingly and I've seen them in action enough over the years that I feel like we need to reach an accommodation. Mm -hmm. I will allow you to have tremendous leeway in my world and you let me pass and maybe one day I will call upon you for a favor. Mm Mm-hmm. The crows, on the other hand, are, I think, running the whole show. I think a crow's mind moves very quickly. Yeah. We've, we, we've talked about this before. Well, a but, little bit, yeah. But, you know, they, they're running the whole show. The more I see the way they work, the more I feel like eh, a, lot of the, a lot of the mysteries are just the crows, like, uh, you know, laying, laying a path. For Understanding a path. crows could explain a lot. I think it could. Well, let me, but give I, you some, let me give you some context for this. I, I show up at my daughter's school and pick her up as I do every afternoon. And uh, it's, I'm picking her up at the time. It's after snack. The children have left the playground. And now there's lots of children uh, garbage and children foods oh, and children like little garbage. bits of lits of sticky things all, all over the place because they've just, they just had their snack. Yeah. And there are, there are very few children, but there are three kinds of birds in this space. You got your pigeons, which is your fat urban pigeon, your big basic flying rat, dumb as a bag of hammers pigeon. You got some seagulls who seem disoriented and not entirely sure why they're there. <laughs> oh, they're so confused. Right? You got seagulls because we're, but they're you know, big. Oh, they're, they're, they're seabirds, John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, 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 I mean, to be a seabird, you, there are no small seabirds. No. <laughs> Only small parts. No. Uh, and, and then, and then, and then, uh, in fewer in number, but much greater in force, you see these little fellows up here on the corner. They're looking down, and you see the crows, and they're just there watching everything. It's how fucking heckle and jekyll. Oh, I know. Yeah. I think those are magpies, technically. Is a magpie different from a crow? I think they are very different. Somebody yep. sent us a diagram of this, and I, I, should, I should probably pull that up. You know, they're like the crows. They're like the racist crows in Dumbo. Okay. Yeah. And so the, 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 the pigeons, the, the pigeons are, are, I don't know how the, the, the pigeon, I just keep waiting for them to kind of like fall over and forget how to live. They're, they're not super bright. They're walking around, they're like eating bottle caps and shit. And you get the seagulls who, who are sort of like the, uh, the, 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 the meth users of the playground. And then way up on high, you've got these crows that are just taking their time. They are, oh. they are on a different time scale. They are seeing everything. They're yeah. moving slowly. They're like Paul Sorvino. Yeah. Right? yeah, oh, that's right. That's exactly. Paul, he didn't move fast because he, he didn't have to move fast. He was like a crow. 
Yeah, Paulie didn't watching everything. The thing about a crow is he's not going to just fly down and eat a French fry. He's going to watch the French fry for a he's while. He's going to learn about the French fry. He's going to see who's interested in the French fry. He's going to remember that, and he's going to tell his friends. You meet back at the parking lot over by the Safeway, there's going to be some serious high-level crow discussions about well, that French fry. And what I notice about crows is that they will let a seagull eat the French fry. Mm-hmm. They are not – like they see a French fry, they're watching it. They're learning about it. Seagull comes in, eats the French fry. The crow's not disappointed. He learned. There's always more French fries. He's gonna. Know, he knows more about that French fry than that seagull will ever know. It's like Lex Luthor. Hmm. He can he can read the the candy wrapper and, and and know about the secrets of life. I don't really know much about the DC uh, universe. You're not missing anything. Um. So here's the thing that I don't. Here's what I learned uh, over the past year is that I do not have uh, very much respect for possums. The one thing about possums that I do respect is that I have seen a possum and a cat uh, live in harmony with one another. Hmm. I have watched a possum and a cat encounter one another in my own yard, and it wasn't like all the way to hail fellow well met, but it certainly was... Uh, that they each had diplomatic papers mm-hmm. that they could, allowed, they could move freely. They could move freely. And that surprised me because I would not see a possum and a cat. Uh, I, I would not imagine that they occupied the same uh, emotional space, but it seemed like they really did. And so I went to my mother, the sage, and I said, possum and cat, describe and she said, and then I said, activate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she said, at one point in her life, she had a, several cats that she fed outside, and that the cats and the possums would eat out of the same bowl at the same time. Wow. And I was like, okay, that is, there's something going on in nature where, where those two species have reached an agreement, a detente. Mm. And I, and, and, and it increases my respect for the possum as it decreases my respect for the cat. Hmm. Right? Like, and that's, and I, don't, and I don't mean to be colonial here. No, no. I, no. I mean, you and I, we're from a, a, you know, a different time. Yeah, that's right. We're from an earlier age. We learned about the world in a different language. Mm-hmm. But, so I've had a very momentous week. Um, you know a little bit of this story. I didn't know if you want to talk about it. It's a, it's a, it's a crazy story. It's a crazy story. But, and it's not, it's not even, uh, it's not the entirety of how momentous this week has been. I'm just, I'm just, I, I'm a little curious how you're going to pivot from cats and possums to your Filson bag. But, I'm, but I'm here. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, uh, last November, I saw a possum in my yard and this is uh this is prior to my mom's closing up all the holes oh this is when you were you were we were is this the time when you were waiting for it you were facing it down you were you were like you were you were sitting there at night in a doorway Mm -hmm. waiting for the possum waiting for the possum because i wanted to see i wanted to track its behavior because at this time in my life i was fairly pro possum and i was like there's a possum in my yard he's coming around I would like to know more about his behavior. So I, you know, it's yeah. almost like if somebody wanted to date your daughter with all respect. 
you would say, you know, this is something we can talk about, but first we need to sit. We need to sit down. That's right. We need to hash a couple things out. Yeah, I'm going to watch your reactions to the following questions, and while you're doing that, I'm also going to be uh, playing with a dagger on the coffee table. Tell me, using only <laughs> single words, <laughs> how you feel about my daughter. Um, but so I watched this possum and I, this, this is the time when I first sort of see the possum encountering the cat and I'm like, you know, it's wild kingdom back here. I'm learning a lot. The raccoons are very clearly watching this all go down from their perch high in the trees and they've got no dog in the race, right? They're just taking it all in. But the, the possum is a dingaling. Uh, and he's blind, but he's out there. The cat's out there, and then I then the possum goes under the house, and I'm like, "Oh shit!" Possum's under the house. That's no good. And then uh, right around the yeah, the late autumn, I hear the possum in the walls, and I'm like, "Fuck!" I was watching the possum. I had a pretty good bead on him, and then. The possum faked me out and moved into the house. And because of the way my house is constructed, there, there was the original house and then there was the addition to the house. The original house was built in 1912 and then the addition was built in 1930. But what they did is they put the addition on the side of the house where the chimney was and the chimney goes all the way down. Uh, you know, that's the first thing they build. The chimney is down there and what had formerly been the outside of the chimney is now enclosed inside of a wall and the possum got under the house and then went up the chimney but inside the house. So anyway, the possum's in there and he's scrubbing around and he's scribbling and scrubbling and I can hear him or her. I think it's a her. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just by the way she carries herself. Yeah. And so the winter goes on and I'm not, I haven't, reconciled myself all the way to like call the varmint people because I feel like this possum's going to, this possum's just here for a little bit, just visiting. And then she's going to move on, but she didn't, she stuck around and I could hear her. Still still just a single possum. As far as I know, Mm -hmm. Uh, they're solitary animals, but I hear her at night. unless Unless they got a brood. Well, see, this is the thing. I hear her at night. Scritching. Scritch, scritch, scritch. And I'm like, ah, oh, god damn it. But I but I don't call the critter control because I just feel like, listen, this is just a temporary situation. And I'm gonna pretend that this isn't happening. So one night I'm in my house and I hear and the possum's making a lot of noise, and I'm like, ah, oh, god damn it. Okay, okay, possum. We have we've we've crossed the threshold. But I was leaving to go on the Jonathan Colton cruise. Not so the, this is uh, at this point February. This is February. This is not I was not leaving the next day. I was leaving at very early in the morning the following day. So I was lying in bed and I'm like you've only got one day tomorrow to deal with all the stuff you need to deal with before you leave on a long cruise and you can't deal with this possum right now and that sucks. She's she's really making noise in the wall and I am mad but I have to just roll over and go back to sleep because this possum is not a thing I can handle right now. That feels like such an act of maturity. 
to go, you know, as much as this is driving me nuts, I'm going to put aside the scritchy scratchy and I'm going to, I'm going to be an adult homeowner and go to sleep because I have to go get on a boat and there's stuff to do. That's Whereas right. any, any other night, literally like any other night, you would have been out there with a 10,000 watt flashlight trying to find mm-hmm. this thing. That's right. This would have been the, this was the moment where I was like, all right, game's, game's over. I'm coming in. I'm, 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 I'm chasing you down. So the next morning, pretty early in the morning, uh, my phone rings. And unlike most of I mean, and I think because I was about to leave on the cruise, I was like, I'd better not let everything go to voicemail. I'd better answer the phone because I'm leaving. And if this is something that needs to be dealt with, I should know. And uh, pick up the phone and the, the person on the other line says, is this John Roderick? Do you, you know, uh, uh, with the following birth date or whatever, I'm like, yeah, who's this? And she says, I'm from Visa or I'm from uh, American Express, and your American Express card is being used to buy gasoline uh, somewhere, and they didn't know your zip code or whatever, and we're calling to find out if that's you. And I was like, what? Impossible. She said, well, somebody just tried to buy gas with it in some other, some neighboring town. I was like, well, let me, let me get to the bottom of this. And so I wake up and I go downstairs because, you know, when I come into the house, the first thing I do is take off my pants. Mm-hmm. So my pants are downstairs. <clears throat> well, I get downstairs and I'm, I'm still asleep and I'm looking around and like the back door is open. And then I realize that the house has been rifled and I'm on the phone with American Express, and I'm like, my house has been robbed. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. Well, do you want us to cancel the card? And I was like, yes, cancel everything. And then I'm standing there in the early morning with the realization that while I was in the house, I had been broken into and ransacked, and I had heard them, and I thought it was the possum, and I rolled over and went back to sleep. After two decades of hyper nighttime vigilance where I was up perimeter checking, walking around my yard in a bathrobe and a sword, nothing happened in any of the neighborhoods I've lived in at night with where I didn't know it, watch it, report on it. This one instance where the possum had distracted me with her, with her occupation, mm-hmm. I rolled over and went back to sleep. The one time I have been like robbed while I'm in the house. And so, of course, it's a, it's a feeling of violation. But more than that, like it is totally against my brand. Like I'm sitting upstairs in a room literally bristling with weapons. I've been in some ways waiting for someone to break into my house for the last 20 years so that I could choose the saber. And here I am just like the fucking possum. It's some kind of mind twisteroo. And so then I realized, shit, I'm leaving on the cruise tomorrow at 7 a.m. And I'm searching my house and they stole my passport. 
They sold my passport and my wallet, which had all my ID in it. They stole my computer, which I didn't care about, or my uh, uh, iPad, which I didn't care about. They stole my entire Sonos stereo system. You're kidding. The whole thing. They sat and took the time to unhook the whole Sonos. They must have thought no one was home. Well, but they never came upstairs. And upstairs I have, uh, that's the real vault. Enough said. Um, so they knew I was home. So I called the cops. And, oh, and so in addition to that stuff, they took my challenge coins. They took a box of my dad's political lapel pins and tie, pat, tie tacks. What? Like Hubert Humphrey tie tack and, um, you know, like Truman beats Dewey lapel button. Um, all this, you know, this, this whole like box of little pins that he collected and then I collected. Took that. Took uh, like some, like a collection of foreign currency that wasn't worth anything. It was just a collection of foreign currency. And they took my 100-ounce silver ingot that I was using as a doorstop that for 20 years I've been using as a doorstop. And my mom has said over the whole 20 years, somebody's going to steal that one of these days. And I'm like, nobody knows what it is. It's a 100-ounce it's a ingot. Like, there's, there's no crook is going to know what it is. It's just, a, it's just a hunk. Well, they knew what it was, and they took it. And so, but of, all, of everything, I'm most devastated by the passport because, A, I'm traveling out of the country in a day, but, B, that passport was in its, it was trending toward its retirement. Oh, it's got all the stamps. Everything, it's, the passport is nine years and six months old. It is, this trip I was, the Joko cruise was going to be the last time I traveled on it, and then it was going to go in the shoebox, I was going to get a new one. It had stamps of all the rock and roll touring, it had stamps from, from not just from South America, but from all of the, the from the time I went to Niger and Djibouti and Ethiopia just recently, it was very important to me, this passport. All gone. And so I spent that entire day running around town. I went to the DMV and I was like, I need a new driver's license. And I sat for the photograph and filled out all the forms. And then I went up to the counter and I was like, great, can I get this enhanced driver's license? Because that will at least allow me to That's travel. the one that has the passport abilities? Yeah. Yeah. And they said, oh, well, we'll send it to you in 15 days. And I was like, what? No, I just went through, I just spent two hours at the DM fucking V and you're, and you can't give it to me today. And they're like, what? No. And I, and I'm thinking back to like my first driver's license. I'm thinking back to all the driver's licenses I have had over the years. And, and I am not crazy. They used to give them to you right then. Mm-hmm. They would take your picture. They would laminate them. They do it right in front of you. You watch, right, watch it come out of the little dingus. Yeah, here you go. And they're like, no, no, no. Nowadays, we mail them to you 15 days from now. I'm like, this doesn't help me. I'm burning daylight here. So I run down to the passport office, and I'm like, look, I know you can expedite this. Can you do it in? Can you do it today? And they're like, oh, sure, for 
$1,100 or whatever. I was like, okay, let's do it. And then I'm down at the, getting my picture taken at a Kinko's. I'm just, I'm, I'm so frazzled by this point. But I do get a passport and I am, and I, and I question whether I should go, right? Of course. I, but, I, I was amazed that you came. But I was like, I'm going to go on the cruise. Like, I'm just going to, there's nothing I can do. I can't hunt for the burglar. I don't know how you did that. I mean, when, when I heard this, I think probably from Jonathan, uh, or maybe, maybe Paul. But anyway, I, I was just like, I was just sitting there and thinking like, cause I, I you know, you know me, like before I travel, I'm, in, I'm frenetic about everything and yeah. just the money stuff and the time stuff and the everything stuff. And I just could not imagine you knowing that like you didn't have credit cards, you didn't have ID and just, if anything else, just the sense of like wanting to like go burrow into your bed with a sword and, and like process what had happened. I couldn't yep. believe you were able to walk away without really processing that. Well, and in a way, it was a lesson for me of like how all this talk that we have done over the years about um, the materialism that has infected my life, my thrifting uh, habit, and <clears throat> the fact that I, I no longer have five personal items that I have imbued with significance. I have 500 that I have imbued with all this significance where it's like this thing and that thing and that thing. And remember the time I bought that thing? And this was the, you know, when I had my first kiss, when I had my first case, kiss in April of last year, I had this thing on, you know, just like this mania of attaching emotional significance to physical objects as a way of keeping the demon dogs at bay. But in that moment, I realized, oh, I don't give a shit about anything. Like, if it all burns down, I don't care. I just want that passport back because it has the, that really does have emotional significance. And, you know, and that silver ounce, that silver bar, because I bought it in 1982 with the money I saved from mowing lawns. But, like, a computer? Who cares? Burn it. And, and so I just said, I'm leaving. And I, and, you know, I had a very interesting conversation with the police. They showed up right away. Uh, it was a female lead officer who said, well, this is probably a method. Um, to come into a house where there is someone inside is totally desperate behavior. This person's going to end up dead or these people are going to end up dead. It's insane to do. And so it has to just be drugs. And But the problem was it was it was diabolical. This person found the one window in my house that didn't have an alarm on it. That was where the where the windowsill was a little bit rotten or dry rotted because all the windows in my house are original. And they took a footlocker off of my porch, moved it around under the window, jammed a shovel that they found in my barn. Oh my God. Popped the window. And so I was, and they waited for my timed lights that I have around the house to go off, which they went off at. They go, they were timed to go off at 3 a.m. And so my sense was, holy shit, my house has been cased. They've been watching me for weeks. I had no idea. I was scanning my brain for like, have there been any suspicious cars? I would have noticed because this is my brand. Right. Who are these geniuses? And then the suggestion arose. I forget who made it first, but it was made by several people. Do you think it's a Roderick on the line listener? 
because the items they took are exactly the things that are that are either crazy or diabolical Roderick on the line listener would take your silver bar your passport Mm -hmm. your dad's political pins this is like crazy land maybe it's some Roderick on the line listener who has triangulated to your house and is either obsessed or is so is such a criminal mastermind that they are doing this to get your attention as some kind of like like they are mind gaming you and i was like oh no i cannot consider that possibility because i know there are a lot of very smart Roderick on the line listeners who have myriad talents i do not want to think about this so i went on the cruise well, how'd you how'd you how'd you end up on that theory? I mean, did you did you had you at length discarded that? I mean, it, just the, the the I mean, is there a chance? I know this sounds like a long shot, but if it is somebody who's who's you know a meth head, as they say, is there a chance they just got really lucky? Well, I dismissed that possibility above all else. I imagined that it was three people because of the way the house was rifled. I just felt like they're unhooking the Sonos system. They, you know, they they had staged a guitar by the back door, but I think I probably rustled in bed or they got spooked or something and they ran out. But not before. Oh, and they stole my Filson bag, <sighs> which I think they probably put everything in, or they put the ingot and the passport in. Took the Filson bag. Anyway, so I came back. I had to go through all the rigmarole. I went to the, I got a Costco card, got all my new credit cards, changed all my passwords, had to go in and change all the auto payments to the new credit card. It's just a ma- major hassle. But the worst part was, even though I'd gone on the cruise and was gone for whatever, 10 days after the theft, when I came back, the feeling was still very raw. I couldn't sleep at night. I was, it wasn't just that I was waking up at night. I would just lay there and couldn't sleep. I was waiting for them to come back. Also, they took my car keys and had ransacked the car. Oh my God. So uh, this, <laughs> is, this is why I'm thinking like there's got to be three of them. There wasn't anything in the car except, they, except some like Chinese money that they took where I was like, all right, good luck spending that. (laughs) They don't even, they're not even really, uh, that's not even real money. They're not even on a, on a real international exchange rate. (laughs) Anyway, so I didn't sleep for months, honestly. And I reinforced all the windows on the house and I re dug all the, all the tiger traps. And I just like, but it, but I never felt safe. And fortunately, that night, my daughter wasn't staying there. It was just me alone in the house that night. But I just felt always a little bit on edge. And I was, I was scanning my neighbor's faces. Like, you know, it was bad. Right. Okay. So I run for office. I do can I ask, all you, this can ask you one thing? Yeah, of course. Um, 
I mean, you always hear, hear the stories about what, what, what police tell you about how it's likely to go one way or another. What was the general prognosis from the police about catching the person and potentially getting any stuff back? So a couple of things. The, the officer, the Seattle officer said, they took your car keys, and that means two nights from now they're going to come steal your car. So you got to get your car key. You got to get your car rekeyed. And so there were a lot of things that I had to do. I had to set in motion before I went on the cruise. I called some friends. I was like, can you get my car rekeyed? Can you get my house rekeyed? Because they stole the house keys too. And my, uh, my good friends were like, yes, this is a pain in the ass, but I understand and I will do these things for you. And so my car got rekeyed. My house got rekeyed while I was gone. The detective, not detective, I'm sorry, the, you know, the patrol mm-hmm. uh, officer found a pair of rubber gloves in the garden. And she said, oh, this is good. Because typically they wear rubber gloves to avoid leaving fingerprints. And then they take the rubber gloves off and throw them on the ground. Which now have, which have fingerprints, fingerprints in them. <laughs> so we're going to take the fingerprints and we're going to you know, start a case and burp a derp a derp. Uh, you probably never see this stuff again, but uh, it'll, you know, if we if we get a match, we can prosecute. So when I got back, I called the detective that it had been assigned to, got the detective's voicemail, left a voicemail, never got a call back. Uh, I had I'd cataloged all the serial numbers of the things. I sent them. I called pawn shops around. Um, no hits. So I reconciled myself to the fact that these things were gone. But all year I'm walking around and I'm thinking passport come back to me. Can if you can find me find me because I lost my first passport. I was at a house party in in Moscow, Idaho in 1990 and I lost my first passport. And that passport had all the stamps in it from my first trip overseas which was back during a time when you still got a passport stamp when you went from, por- from Portugal to Spain. Or you still got a passport stamp when you went from France to Belgium. Like there were still passport controls between all those European countries that now there are none. So I was getting all these, what I later learned to treasure, which was these old-fashioned, and like just prior to the institution of the European Union, passport stamps including Morocco I got there's a visa in there for Algeria back in the 80s you know and I went to East Germany several times East Berlin like all this stuff in there and I I lost this fucking passport at a party because I was drunk and who knows and it has haunted me that this because I have all my dad's passports. I have my dad's first passport from 1948. And, uh, and every subsequent renewal of his passports, I, it's like a, it makes a little book. Um, not a little book, a big book. And, and I love them. I love his old passports. And I wanted the same collection for myself. And the first one, the, the, you know, the foundation, the keystone is gone. And now I'd lost my second one, and it actually—I mean, I have one in the middle. I have a—I have right. I have, that, have my second. One. That would be the other one from the walk. That's the one from the walk from the early days of rock and roll touring. I mean, that's the—that's a key, key, key one. 
But then I lost my third passport, and and when I was on the cruise, I honestly was having this, I was having this thing of like, God, are you trying to teach me something about the impermanence of things? Are you trying to teach me that that the passport is meaningless because the memories matter? And are you trying to teach me that if the passport is meaningless, then all material items are meaningless? Is this a is this you, God? It's me, Margaret. Are you trying to just slap me across the face with a fish? Well, it's one thing to be taught a lesson by God and, and another thing to not be sure what the lesson is about or for. Yeah, yeah. Well, that I feel like when Lessons God, usually have a reason. When God works, it is in mysterious ways. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm sitting on this boat in the, in the middle of the Caribbean, uh, can, still showered in privilege and, and my life is great, but I'm asking God these serious questions. Did, are you pranking me? And, and if so, it is a bitter pill to swallow. Um, anyway, so for the last nine months, I have been telepathically communicating with my passport. I know you're out there. I do not have find my iPhone for my passport. And frankly, uh, find my Apple stuff didn't work because whoever stole these things never turned them on. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't don't interrupt you or or belabor this, but, you know, I mean, my sense is that uh, when you've got things like these property crimes, uh, you have a window of mm-hmm. almost no time mm-hmm. to get any of it back. Mm-hmm. And the, the, I mean, isn't that generally how it works? If we're yeah. talking here about, you know, I, I don't know a great deal about how this works, but it seems like anything there, like what, maybe a Sonos, the Sonos shows up, uh, you know, in a, in a pawn shop or something. Within like, a week, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, maybe I've just watched too many, uh, you know, uh, movies about New York, but my sense is that people grab the stuff that's valuable and small that you can sell quickly and then just throw everything else away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, I mean, you know, even if you're a ding-a-ling, like, why would you be carrying that around? You're going to sell the silver. You're going to, like, for, for 20 bucks or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Isn't that how it works? I mean, well, like, there's I mean, no... Why would any of that stuff ever survive? Why, you know, is praying to your passport or, you know, communing at, at, at a distance with it? It's a hopeless gesture right well so there are a couple of there are a couple of possibilities right there this is person is a meth person and in which case they are just going to take their stuff probably directly to their dealer and say here is a laptop will you give me some meth and the dealer will say yeah sure and the dealer gives him one hundred dollars worth of meth and the the junkie gives the the dealer a twenty two hundred dollar computer and then the dealer is mobbed up with the network of fences mm-hmm. the dealer will will get $500 for it from somebody now in this contemporary contemporary world the world of John Syracuse the danger is that the laptop then will make its way not to a pawn shop but to a network of russian hackers <laughs> right who are primarily interested in it for identity theft. And with that narrative running, my laptop, my passport, my wallet, which contains not only my enhanced driver's license, but also my GOES card, which is the 
which is the secret government card that allows me to go through passport control in major airports without even stopping, where you just have been pre-security checked and you just hold up this card and go boop and you are moving, right? While, while 800 people are lined up to go through passport control, it's like you are done. And so th- with a combination of these things, some canny uh, identity theft people could basically get terrorists onto a plane. They could, they could, they could uh, start a business under my name. They could, who knows what? They could completely take over my life. But it's more than all the physical objects. Then it gets into the, the as you say, the identity stuff. But like yeah. it's like every conceivable aspect of your life that that can be sold for parts could. Yeah, and I'm and then so I'm picturing like some chop house outside of Bangkok where they are they are incising the picture out of my ID and putting in uh putting in the picture of Le Chiffre. And he is, you know, entering the United States illegally to carry out a, a extrajudicial assassination of some kind. And I'm just like, oh, this is bad, bad, bad news. If if this material makes its way to an identity thief, and just like you with the mouse, my ultimate reaction to it was, you know what? <sighs> if I pretend the mouse isn't there, maybe the mouse isn't there. Because, but the thing is, that's the thing about this is that it, you don't, you don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it, I mean, any part of your 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 normal rational brain, if somebody was telling you this story, you go, oh, that's that shit's all gone. It's in a dump somewhere. Yeah, right. right? But I mean, the rational part, the rational part would go, well, obviously, it's you know, uh, like whatever Occam's razor. Like the the simplest solution for this is that it's all just it's in a landfill. Except the guy thought whoever he or they were, they thought to take the passport. It's not like they were just sweeping stuff in. Like the passport was separate from all the other things in its own location. They recognized its value, and its only value was for this. They, like this person realizes that somewhere between his dealer and the world of fences, there's value in a in a passport. Oh, like you're saying that person might have known that there's a potential market for this. Oh, absolutely. They oh, didn't okay. take it because they were like enamored with my visa from Djibouti. They were like, this has value. And they made a mistake with like the challenge coins. Like my challenge coin from the, from the drone base in Ethiopia doesn't really have much value. It, it's just shiny. And that's what made me feel like it was potentially someone like a Roderick on the Line listener who had gone to the dark side, who was either insane to begin with or had been driven insane by our program. <laughs> This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by pointing your web browser at squarespace.com. Many of you know I've been a huge fan and evangelist of Squarespace for over five years now. It's not only the place that I use for hosting many of my own sites and, yes, my own podcasts. It's also the first place that I recommend for anyone wanting to do the same. You are using Squarespace right now. If you are listening to this program, and I assume you are because you can hear my voice, this is hosted on Squarespace. John and I like it that much. Squarespace sites are professionally designed masterpieces. They look great right out of the box, regardless of your skill level. There's zero coding nerdery required. They offer intuitive and easy-to-use tools that take all of the pain out of getting your stuff up. Squarespace also has state-of-the-art technology powering your site. 
and that ensures security and stability. Squarespace is trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected companies in the world. The nutty part is that Squarespace plans start at a very affordable $8 per month, and that price even includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. So please check these folks out and tell your friends to try it. You can start your free trial site today. No credit card required by visiting squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up and stay with Squarespace, make sure to use that offer code SUPERTRAIN. That'll get you 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Roderick on the line and all the great shows. Squarespace, build it beautiful. (laughs) And they were like, I am collecting memorabilia of John Roderick from his own house in order to to build a scarecrow, (laughs) a golem of him. I don't want to hear this. Right? Like I'm gonna, I am going to build an effigy of him, which I then use black magic to turn getting, in. Getting hair off a brush. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> I had no idea because you're trying to figure out what they stole too, and it's like, did they? How many Scrabble games did I have? I thought I had four Scrabble games. Did they take a Scrabble game? Mm-hmm. That would be an indication that it is uh, that it is a unhinged podcast fan because that doesn't have any value on the open market. Anyway. Four days ago, I'm sitting right here at my desk in my office looking at Bring a Trailer, looking at a picture of a 1978 Mazda RX-5, and the phone rings. And it's another instance. It rarely happens, but it's an instance where I pick up the phone. I'm like, huh, that's a weird – why am I getting a phone number from an unknown caller? And – a guy says, is this John Roderick? And I'm like, yeah. And he says, hi, this is Detective Akimoto from the Renton Police Department. And I'm like, the Renton Police Department? And that worries me because my house is close enough to Renton. And he says, I think I have a bunch of your stuff. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, I got a passport here and like some kind of giant, uh, really heavy chunk of metal that has a bunch of serial numbers on it what and uh an ipad and some other shit holy shit stacks of shit and i'm like are you uh are you serious he's like yep got it all this stuff and i'm like where did you find it and he he proceeds to tell me a story my house was broken into january 30th On January 31st, the day that I left on the cruise, a patrolman in Renton, the nearby town, sees a guy sleeping in a car. The car is running. And apparently in police land, if you're sleeping in a running car, that is suspicious. It's suspicious enough for an officer to pull up and say what's going on, which is funny because I have many, many, many times in my life been asleep in a, in a parked car, never been hassled by a cop, but there's the situation. The cop says, huh, guy sleeping in a car, goes over, looks, sees that the ignition of the car has been jimmied, says, well, that's enough suspicion to feel like this is a stolen car. And it is, he arrests the guy for car theft because a I just learned it's not illegal to be in a stolen car. 
it is illegal to be in a stolen car if there is enough sign that the car is stolen. Because you could legitimately claim, hey, I didn't know it was stolen. A guy gave it to me. No, I mean, like, isn't that just how it works? You say you're under arrest for suspicion of uh, stealing a car. But if, if, if you're in a car and the instead of an ignition key, it has a, a kitchen knife, <laughs> right? <laughs> then it's fairly reasonable to conclude that you know it's stolen and, and therefore you are the stealer of it. So they arrest this guy for stealing a car and he's got a meth pipe in the car. So that compounds the problem for him. And they impound the car and they process this guy for car theft and they prosecute him for it. They send him to jail and then nine months go by and Detective Akimoto is sitting in his at his desk. He is a car theft detective and he gets a call from the property room now in October. And they say, what do, uh, that case is closed and we're cleaning out uh, the shelves and we're going to send all this stuff to the dump or to the auction house. But uh, there's enough like there's like paperwork here, IDs and stuff. You might be able to find this guy. And Detective Akimoto says, what? What is all that? And they're like, oh, it was in the trunk. Oh, my God. Nobody connected the stolen car to the trunk full of what is clearly somebody else's shit. Maybe the car stealer is also a house stealer. No one at the police department. <laughs> Not so sure about your detective work there, Lou. <laughs> Nobody does the policing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And uh, the thing is, I don't know. I, I enjoyed talking to Detective Akimoto. I learned that he commutes to work on a recumbent bicycle. <laughs> but what I did not learn from anyone there at the Renton Police Department was how you would put a bin of uh, shit, including other people's wallets and passports, and not do a little bit of research. Just all went on a shelf somewhere. So Wait a they, minute. So the, passport, the passport is in there. The passport is there. Your passport and, with your name on it and your photograph and information about you was in that passport and <laughs> no one ever thought to track down that you might want it back? Not only my passport, but my enhanced driver's license, which also has my address on it, which is about <laughs> two miles from where the Renton Police Department Are you kidding me? No. Oh. It also has my GOES card. Which, I have to say, I called the uh, Department of Homeland Security four separate times to cancel my GOES card. And the first time, it was immediately afterwards, and I was like, this is an emergency. They have my GOES card. They could be using it to infiltrate Al-Qaeda members to the United States. And I called the number, and the phone picked up, and it went, You have reached the Department of Homeland Security. It's like a fucking cassette tape. <laughs> and so I sat on the Department of Homeland Security cassette tape phone tree for 45 minutes where they're playing like, you know, like Elton John's Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. And I was finally I was like, hey, I got other shit to do. And I and I got off their phone tree. I did that three more times trying to call the Department of Homeland Security to cancel this incredibly important and sensitive 
document. And I finally surrendered and just said, you know what? If Al-Qaeda gets into the country by using my ghost card, that responsibility is shared between me and the Department of fucking Homeland Security, an organization I already have a lot of suspicion about. Anyway, my ghost card is in there too, and I never canceled it. So da 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 da. -da. <laughs> Nothing made it to the uh, the Indian chop shop. So what made it to the Indian chop shop was my laptop, which I am one hundred percent sure he took immediately to the dealer and was just like, "Here's a laptop. Give me some crank." And the dealer was like, "Here's some crank." And the laptop just made its way into not any kind of identity ring, but just like, "Hey, MacBook Air, you can sell those for something," and it just went to some. You know, like the thing is, Renton cops didn't even talk to Seattle cops. The Seattle cops were in the process of processing the burglary while the Renton cops were putting the stuff from the burglary on a shelf. I don't know how to feel. Like, I really like Detective Akimoto, and I'm even now picturing him riding to work in the rain with his head, his helmet, which has a little rearview mirror on it. Maybe a GoPro. I love the right. idea of a guy who investigates car thefts all day not having a car. Mm. There's something nope. really, really satisfying about and, that. And I said, you ride this thing? You ride this recumbent bike to work every morning? And he said, well, in all honesty, I put it on the train. I take it. I take the train. And then I ride the recumbent bike from the train station to the police station. And I'm like, you are really, and he's a Japanese cop, and I'm like, you are a Northwest original, yep. my friend. <laughs> yeah. Good on you. But the policing is where I feel like there is some improvement that could be done. And I don't know if it's your fault or the patrol officer's fault or, or the way you run the property crimes division. or I don't know who to hold responsible. But I think what it was was this, was, this went into the system as a car theft and then the car theft people handle things a certain way. And whoever put it in as a car theft didn't also include or, you know, I don't know. They impounded the car. Somebody, I don't know. I cannot fathom. But you, you got your passport back. So I go down there and I just get all the stuff. So what they, what I That must have been so surreal, John. Totally surreal. And including my dad's box of pins. Oh, my God. My uh, challenge coins. My Chinese money, the only things that didn't make it back to me were my MacBook Air, uh, as I said, and my taxi wallet. The entire contents of the wallet, minus the money, was there. All the credit cards, all the... Someone took out all the stuff in your wallet. And took the wallet. That's how good taxi wallets are. Mm. And my Filson briefcase. And when, I, when the cops were investigating the crime, when they were wandering around my house, and I was like, ah, I think they took my Sonos and they took my silver bar. And, of course, the cops were like, oh, really, a 100-ounce silver bar? How convenient. <laughs> and I'm like, no, seriously, I had a 100-ounce silver bar. I used it as a doorstop. And they were like, uh-huh, really? Anything? Did, did they also get your Rothko, sir? <laughs> yeah, did they take your Hope Diamond? And I'm like, no, fucking seriously. I've Look, had it, I've had it since I was a child. I've had it since I, it was one of the first things I bought with my own money. And they're like, "Oh, really?" And I'm like, "Look around the house. There are dolls of all the United States presidents here. <laughs> Do you really find the there? There is a there is a pair of crossed snowshoes above the above the fireplace. Do you really believe that I don't have a hundred ounce silver bar?" And the cop had to concede, like, "Oh, yeah, hmm. I guess hmm. I see how it fits into your decor." 
But then I said, I lost a Filson, Filson briefcase. And the cop said, oh, yeah, they always steal the Filson stuff. Wow. I was like, really? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's very identifiable. And there's a, there's a, a huge aftermarket for it. That's amazing. Are you kidding me? So I see this, I see this guy. Oh, so here's the thing. Detective Akimoto says the burglar was Cambodian or Laotian. Uh, La- Laotian. He actually said Laotian. <laughs> You're and, just repeating what he said. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that, wasn't, that wasn't an error on my part. And I'm like, oh, oh he's, he was uh, Southeast Asian? And he's like, yeah, something like that. I'm like, okay, first of all, you're Japanese. You should, you should have your Asian uh, races more dialed than that. But that was not what I expected. And my picture of three burglars or my picture of a maniacal Roderick on the Line listener now suddenly was like, it was a guy like, uh, like a guy from Southeast Asia. And now all of a sudden my next door neighbors who are Vietnamese, mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a minute. Was it one of the was it one of the lowrider guys that hang out over there? Oh my god, like a, like my whole my whole vision of the crime switched around. Oh I no longer felt like somebody had been casing my house for weeks. I suddenly felt like was this a, just a meth crime of opportunity where the person got incredibly lucky, pried open the one window that where my my security system because they the, made oh. it, they made it around. They waited for the light to go off. They found a shovel. They picked the the single. All these things. This sounds like a fucking Mission Impossible thing. Absolutely, that window. And the reason that window was vulnerable was it was painted shut. I had never opened that window, and I figured it was unopenable. But the rotted sill allowed them to put the shovel, and so I didn't put an alarm on that window because it was a painted shut window. But they popped, they popped it with the shovel. And broke the paint seal. And that was the thing that woke me up. And I was like, this fucking possum has got to go. (laughs) So now I am made whole again. Not only that I have all my shit back. And I sat with the passport and we had a communion. Mm. And also by challenge coins and all this other crapola. But... I'm also made whole again in the sense that I no longer lay in bed at night thinking that there is a giant conspiracy around my house, imagining Russians in Thailand looking at my house from a satellite, (laughs) trying to figure out my comings and goings so that they can best impersonate me. Right. It's just a, a guy who didn't even have the brains to not fall asleep in his car his stolen car and to i mean one reason that crazy people do things like have ingots of silver is mm. because it's imminently sellable yeah. yeah 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 i mean like you know the thing is they you can get your your crank dealer your crank connection may give you a couple hundred bucks for a laptop but like boy silver's silver's pretty sellable and and the ingot of silver at the at the prices of silver at the time worth more than the laptop uh, a lot more. I mean, this ingot was just like, it is better than currency. You could go, uh, you could go to a, you could go to the white homeland with that. Let's not, let's, let's not, let's not attract new people, John. Right, right, right. You're right. And, and probably this guy, uh, wouldn't be welcome at the white homeland, no matter how much silver he had. 
<laughs> he's Loatian. That's right. He's Loatian. Uh, in any case, so that's my week. That's only the first thing that happened this week. There are two other monumental things, but I may I may save that for another episode. I think you should. So, uh, so here I am, just you know, like pockets full of challenge coins, and uh, you know, on the laptop gone, the Filson bag gone, but whatever. I, it's just that small potatoes. Oh, I got all my Sonos stuff back. Like I what? I don't even know what to do. This is jarring. This is very jarring, John. Oh, and the you know the cops at the Renton Police Department. This is the best part of their job, right? Hey, we got all your stuff. And and I was so grateful. And I was just like, "Wow, thank you." And I loved being in the property room and all the all the cloak and dagger of those guys, which I have to say is pretty shabby cloak and dagger. But at least it's like you got a buzz through the room. Oh, and Detective Akimoto had his had his uh had his magnetized security card in some kind of hip holster. Ooh. So every time we came to, and he wasn't a tall guy, every time we came to a door, he turned around and hiked up his butt and touched it to the, <laughs> and the first time I saw the move, I was like, huh, that's kind of an interesting little, but then I realized that he does it 40 times a day and he, he turns around, <laughs> hike, stands up on his tiptoes. He does like a hike and a quarter flip. He, he, he like cocks one ass cheek <laughs> in the air and bonks it kind of like sassy sassy disco bonk onto the <laughs> onto the magnetized and then the door pops open and all, by that, the, all that recumbent biking's paying off you said it <laughs> and by the third or fourth time he did it i was like this is a this renton police department has some fucking sassy shit here uh it was you know there's not a lot going on down there it's seemingly an uh, not so much that they couldn't have investigated this crime a little better. Yeah. But so they returned me all this stuff. And so I'm so grateful that I don't, I don't sit them. I said, I don't, I don't, I don't say, is there a conference room somewhere where we could go sit down for a second? And let me ask you a few questions about this. Uh, because you could have saved me nine months of hurt feelings by solving this crime. Well, and, it, and like, and, you know, mental and psychic self-torture. Yeah, right, right, right. You could have solved this crime in one day. Um, uh, but it took you nine months to realize there had been a crime. Even though the Seattle Police Department, who never returned my phone calls, and by all uh, appearances never did any investigation of any kind. But then Detective Akimoto is excited. He's like, oh, they maybe have fingerprints. Maybe I can tie this crime to the guy. He sounds giddy. I'm like, yeah. Uh, You'd have to be giddy to ride a recumbent bike to work every day. (laughs) 